everyone, and welcome back to the Innovation Room podcast. I am one of your hosts, Tori. I'm here with my co-host, Dan, and we're really excited to talk to you today about the topic of listening. Um, listening involves many, many things. And we're going to dive into that um, today, but not this isn't just about listening, but how to listen really, really well and what that kind of looks like in the workplace. So we're we're looking forward to um, chatting with our guest about this today. But before we introduce her, just want to remind y'all to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also catch us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Yeah, uh, can't wait to talk about the topic. Really excited to get into it. So let's go ahead and introduce our guests. And this week, our guest is Emily Shaw. She is actually a sales trainer with Lucian, and she is a sales trainer of North American Signs. So we have quite a good relationship with her. We really love her. She's done a lot of good work with us. And she, um, her experience in the sales area precedes what she does now and has been going on for, I think, a couple decades, but I don't want to date her. So I'm just going to say for a while. <laughs> and uh, she, she's very... Uh, knowledgeable in the space. So let's bring her in and get, get right into it. So, hey, Emily, thanks so much for joining us today on the Innovation Room podcast. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate your time. And today, yeah, I mean, we're just diving into um, active listening and kind of what that looks like specifically in the workplace. I know we've talked about it a lot in the sales context here, you know, in your work with North American Signs, but I think it's valuable. It's a valuable skill for anyone, whether you're in a professional setting or uh, just in your personal life too. So can you just kind of give us like a really, a brief definition of what active listening is in case there's someone out there who doesn't already know? Yes. Um, I'm going to answer this question from my perspective, as I'm sure that there are hundreds of technical answers that one could find online. Um, but through my experience in listening to seven years of sales calls and coaching calls. In a nutshell, active listening is being incredibly present in a conversation. Um, and it may be even easier to explain what is not happening when someone is actively listening. So when someone is not actively listening, they are not focused on trying to drive the conversation to a specific place where they want it to go. They're not making assumptions about what the other person is saying. They aren't making judgments on another person's intent. They aren't listening to the their own inner monologue that we all have, the, the talk track that runs endlessly uh, upstairs. They're not listening to that as opposed to the other person sitting across from them. And it's really the age old saying, seek first to understand is how you could wrap all of that together in one compressed bow, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people, we all have a tendency, right? I'm thinking about when I'm listening to someone, what am I going to say next? Like even here sitting and listening to you talking like, oh yes, we're recording a podcast. What am I going to say next? You know? So it's, it's really hard to, to listen and, and just remove yourself from that future thinking mindset almost. That's really, really challenging. So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, and you've sort of touched on it, but why, why is this such an important thing? What does it do for people, for the listener and the speaker? Yeah, we've all been on the receiving end of someone not listening to us in conversation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and it is a human being's greatest desire to be seen, heard, and understood. We are not actually meant, and this is going to, this thing that just popped into my mind is going to date me 
but hopefully your listeners can relate. Uh, we are not meant to be isolated on an island making best friends forever with a volleyball. And therefore, <laughs> we, yeah. we seek out the involvement of others because we're not meant to be an isolated species. And when we feel like someone is not involved in our experience, when we want them to be, uh, it's very ostracizing. And people may react to being ostracized in different ways. Uh, one may be affected in feeling invalidated, while another may feel totally rejected or unwanted. One may experience worthlessness while another may experience callousness. But regardless of what that outcome is or what that experience is, it's negative. (laughs) No one walks away from not being heard or listened to. Like, man, the way that I was ignored in that conversation, just truly amazing. Can't wait to sign up for that again. (laughs) No. Right, right. And, you know, you asked about on the other side, why is it important for the listener? I mean, you, of course, come across as a jerk if you're not listening, Um, (laughs) but maybe even worse is that you come across as a rather ignorant jerk. Um, You know, if you're not doing any number of the things that I mentioned earlier that, that are associated with actively listening, like not making judgments or assumptions and being present, all that stuff, if you're, if you're not doing that or you're leading the witness almost, um, trying to force a conversation to go the way you yeah, want it yeah. to, you will be met with resistance. And if you're making assumptions or judgments about someone else, you're, you're doing so out of your own opinion versus objective fact. And that opens you up to the possibility, the rather high possibility of being wrong. If you're listening to your own inner thoughts and monologue, you are distracted and your input becomes less relevant to the discussion or the topic at hand. So again, a negative experience. So there's really no positive outcome on either side if active listening is not a a part of the dialogue and conversation. Without others' perception too, isn't it almost impossible to ever try to get a subjective look at yourself? Um, Ask me, say that again, a different way, Dan. So without the perception or the viewpoint of others on yourself, like you said, you are listening and you're just thinking objectively, but you're unable to even get a subjective opinion of yourself without listening. So it's kind of like one has to come before the other if you really want to, you know, learn or move. It's like you're in your own feedback loop. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You're only teaching yourself things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's why you're the ignorant jerk, right? Not just a jerk. It's like even worse. You're an ignorant right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <It's> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, which it kind of brings to mind. Um, and I, I think we had actually talked about this in one of our training sessions. But uh, one piece of active listening is reflective listening, and I think the reflective listening is a really helpful way to do the understanding part of active listening, right? So when someone says something to you, I'm not just going to respond with whatever comes into my head, but I'm going to say back to you what you've said to me, right? You're restating it oftentimes in a question because that helps further clarify for your own self and maybe even for the person who's speaking, right? Oh, did I actually articulate that in a way that was helpful for the person listening to me? Or was it totally convoluted and I was just spewing thoughts with no cohesion. Yeah. Right. And there's even nuance to that because parroting something that someone has just said is not a reflection of active listening, right? Because yes, you're not true. getting further context. You're not creating right. more clarity. There's not connection happening. It's like 
you know, my favorite color is red. And someone's like, so what I'm hearing you say is your favorite color is red. Wow. <laughs> right. This is really contributing. Insightful. To- yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, you're right. That And that, see, that's a great clarification of it's not just me parroting back to you, but how, how do I restate this in a way that's helping me make sure that I understand. Right. And then, yeah. And helping them to clarify as well. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So I think curiosity is a really critical part of active listening. And that's something that I know that you are huge on. So tell us your thoughts about that. Um, yes, I would agree. Curiosity <laughs> is essential to active listening. Yeah. Um, and you know, it goes back to Dan's point earlier on, if you are in a feedback loop with yourself and you're receiving the information and giving the information from your one solo source, uh, you're not learning a lot. And curiosity is tied to interest. When we're curious about something, we are interested in something. And when people feel like we are interested in them or what they have to say, it's a bonding human experience. And again, we're hardwired to want to be understood and and be included and be amongst other humans for the most part, the ones we like at least. And so curiosity just shows someone effectively seeking that understanding. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you can't actively listen without curiosity. Yeah. Learned something that actually pertains to this very recently about myself from another person trying to get an objective view. It was actually my boss, but um, I'm very curious, but I'm also I have the problem solving side, and I could or I haven't been able to separate them far enough. I'm not yeah curious in the beginning, but as soon as I get some information where I switch over to problem solving, I stop being curious. So now my goal has been to stay curious longer. So even being curious, while I do think is necessary i think understanding how long you need to be curious could really help too if you have like a similar issue to what i just described i totally and i think a lot of people do i've i have certainly experienced that when you like to problem solve or when patterns are very clear to you um which is also an element of problem solving you can jump really quickly from you're right like the timeline's super short it's like well i'm curious because i don't know oh i have a half a piece of information i now have it and then yep. I'm going to run with it. They'll be yeah. so happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. They're not ever happy. <laughs> and I can share, I guess, from my own experience, how I slowed that down or pulled that apart a little bit. If it's helpful. I don't know. I never know if this piece is helpful because it's really my please. own experience. So I don't know. No, uh, please. Yeah, absolutely. But I have the same, like, I don't know about everything, uh, sort of ping ping. Like, I don't know, it's like a ping pong ball across the table over and over again. And like, now I'm curious about this. Now I'm curious about this short timeline. Um, And so the way that I drew that out in my own conversations was um, focusing on being so present and with that person that I, I created no visualization in my mind that was outside of the picture that they were painting for me. Cause I'm also a really mm-hmm. visual person and really kinesthetic person. So I think in pictures a lot and I realized that I was painting some of that picture on my own without their input. And so if I didn't have, you know, this is an analogy, but if I didn't have a particular room of the house painted that I was walking around in being curious about, then I needed to ask about that room and specifically what was in that room and have that person paint that picture for me, as opposed to 
grabbing the brush and, you know, filling in the gaps on what I assumed that it looked like or what furniture belonged in there, et cetera. Um, but really sitting with them until I could actually visualize walking through their experience through their eyes was what helped me draw that out more and not go so fast. So yeah. I don't know if that ever makes sense to anybody, but that's, that's what I did. That's like turning off your critical thinking. Cause like your brain is wired to paint these pictures, to pull memories, to try to put together answers for us, like in the background. Yeah. I don't know how you turned that up, but that's great. If you're able to, or slowed it down. Like <laughs> it's almost like meditating. Yeah, you're okay. right. It's and now that you're saying that I'm like realizing, like, it's kind of the same practice I go through when I need to just clear my mind and be present for meditation as well. It feels very similar to that in nature. So that's interesting. Mm. I've never thought about it. I use sticky yeah. notes. Mine's not nearly as cool. I just stare at the sticky note that says, shut up, be curious. We all have our, we all have our tools. I think mm-hmm. sometimes when you, at least I find for myself, when I am really in that great listening space and I'm like, yes, I'm tracking with you. Like I'm, and I'm letting you paint the picture. And then that person stops painting the picture and really they're pretty much done. Like they've said what they need to say. And then I think sometimes there's this pressure, like I have to respond right away. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's not true. I think it's okay to take a minute and just be like, I'm absorbing what you've said to me and I'm processing and I will have a response for you in just a minute. But I want to honor you in this interaction, you know, and really understand what you've said. So I, I feel like that yeah, the pressure to respond immediately might be there, but just ignore it or like, let it, let it happen. I think you're right. I think, I think it's definitely a pressure we place on ourselves. I don't know many people that if you said you've shared so much great information with me, I'm going to digest that for a few seconds and formulate, you know, a response that I think might be helpful. No one is saying like stupid, hate that idea. Dumb. I have no time. like thank you thank you for actually thinking about what I said yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) right right exactly I think it is it's totally a pressure that we put on ourselves and you know specifically in a in a workplace context where you're like I need to be on the ball all the time and but you're you're right no client right like in a sales context which is what we talk about a lot no client is gonna be like ah yes please totally ignore everything I've said and disregard, you know, so that you can respond immediately. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. You were going to give me don't, yeah. Don't, uh, don't respond thoughtfully. Just give me the same scripted talk tracking of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We love a good canned response. Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) My personality. I think the most important part of that was what you said though, when you said, let me digest that you communicated that you did hear it and you're going to take time because it's when they don't say anything that I'm just like, what, what what are you doing? Like say something. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like, right. Like, You're like, yeah. Just tell yeah. me you're thinking about it or respond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. Yes. Some response is good, but giving yourself the time to process is important too, mm-hmm. I think. So talking specifically about manager employee subordinate situation, what is that? I think it goes both ways. Like both the manager and the subordinate should be engaging in active listening, but thoughts on that. Um, yes. So active listening from a leadership or management perspective is really applied in the coaching aspect of, uh, leading and most, 
I don't want to speak out of turn, but I would say in my experience, people that I have coached, most leaders tend to be hyper fixated on training and training in contrast to coaching is telling, teaching, educating, showing, demonstrating, and coaching is asking, uncovering, helping your employee to self-discover, shift paradigms, et cetera. And many leaders feel like they don't have time to coach. And so they just got to like give the order, bark the thing, give the instruction, let's go. Here's how you do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then they're frustrated later when that type of sharing that information doesn't yield results. And coaching is the most effective catalyst to actually getting change and people changing. I mean, we know that from like the therapy model and industry. I mean, that's just coaching, essentially talk therapy. And so when we shortcut that because we don't have time and we don't want to necessarily actively listen and uncover and peel back layers of onions because we're all very overwhelmed with the amount that we have on our plates, then it doesn't help an employee discover their real reason that they might be stuck on something. Um, they never help them really identify unproductive behaviors that are holding them back. And then, so therefore the advice that they're providing their employees misses the marker doesn't resonate because that bridge of understanding is missing for uh, the employee that they could have been having that very coaching, actively listening conversation with, and which is ironic because then things don't change, but the individual is stuck in this endless loop of telling people what they should be doing and not seeing results over and over and over again, which in my opinion and, and how I operate is the biggest waste of time. Uh, so it's like this weird self-fulfilling prophecy that happens, but I don't know if I answered the question necessarily, uh, directly, but that's, yeah. that's my answer. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Could I go further yeah. on one piece of that you said too? Um, yeah. So I think some of it, at least in my own experience that I witnessed or had to overcome was training. You still have a lot of control or the feel of control and coaching is almost completely giving that control. So the trust piece is like super important. And if you don't fully trust or they don't fully trust, you have their best interest. It's really hard to then move from training to coaching. Hundred percent, yes, and okay. absolutely. Time is one element as to why people train, but you hit the nail on the head, which is probably the bigger element. Honestly, is that sort of validating, getting your own need met as a leader, as like I have all of the answers, I am the all-knowing oracle. <laughs> uh, and when we give that up, it's like, well, now what am I? What do I do here? Um, it can be Nobody really needs me. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And I think that this piece of it is really important too, because right, we have this work workforce full of millennials and Gen Zers, and it's going to be more full of millennials and Gen Zers in the future. And they're not right. They're not looking to like, just be trained on how to work XYZ machine. They want to be coached. They want to be poured into so that they can go on and do that in the future. That's they're really, really interested in that. And there's tons and tons of research that backs that up. So it's, it's literally for the benefit of your company and the benefit of your team, but also just like be a nice human and <laughs> pour into people. That's, you know, like just be nice. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. So what are some like pragmatic 
things that people can do? I know you've, you've like touched on a couple, but I think it's always nice to have something tangible for people to hold on to. So Dan, you take, you write down stuff, right? That's like your, you take notes when you're listening and that's helpful for you. And Emily, you've talked about your, your box, your room, putting the, the paint in the furniture, any other thoughts on that of what can people do? Um, I think slow down, right? I mean, that was a point that you made earlier, Tori, on just, you don't have to rapid fire respond. Um, you can, you can pause, you can come up for air. No one is, <laughs> no one's waiting for you to speak necessarily like, you know, with, with irritation, maybe interest. Um, <laughs> so I'd say slowing down to dropping the outcome that you want, which might be the hardest part. Instead of trying to get someone to go where you want them to go, be open to where the conversation needs to go, because that that's one of the biggest pieces from an active listening standpoint is that I want, especially if we're talking sales, right? I want this person to close or give me right buy my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to keep trying to ask you questions like, some questions that I hear salespeople ask before they're trained are like, so is money important to you? It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what kind of question is that? Right? You're just trying to get them to say yes and then pounce and be like, so you should do this. Like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, so instead of trying to force it, um, you know, there's a difference between power and force and force is repelling and power draws in. And if you'd like to show up powerfully in a conversation and help people, think differently, uh, maybe shift their beliefs entirely about what they need to do or influence them in some regard. You need power as opposed to force and power is derived from trusting and from having the confidence of another person, which means you're showing up for them as opposed to for you. Um, if you're showing up from a place of always wanting to help someone reach the destination they are concerned with, as opposed to forcing your agenda, it's so much easier to actively listen. You have to, because you don't know where they want to end up. Um, so you have to find out, which also cultivates that curiosity and, and, you know, makes it essential. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you, when you, hear other experts talking about active listening. They also touch on nonverbal cues and nonverbal, you know, body language and things like that, which in our largely virtual environment, I think can be pretty challenging, but active listening with your whole body, like, do you have thoughts on that? What do you think? Yeah. So it's a interesting stat that 55% of our effective communication lives in body language. Yep. Um, And some people don't believe me on that until I ask them, like when you got home from school at the end of the day, how quickly did you know whether your mom was in a good mood or a bad mood? And how did you know that? Did did someone have to tell you? Yeah. And I would just catch a catch an eye of my mom walking across the room and I'd be like, nope, I'm just going to walk right here. <laughs> me. I probably did the thing. <laughs> it made sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you think about how quickly you knew your mom was upset with you from a very early age before you knew how to communicate effectively, right? It was instantly. And it's just by looking at her face. Um, and so, you know, it's not just maybe how you 
how you show up on Zoom. This could be a phone call too. If you're all hunched over and slumped over and lacking energy in your body language, that can actually come across even when someone can't see you. It's it's amazing how your own yeah. body language impacts the way that you are representing yourself. You know, we hear about power poses and all of these really interesting things that are tied to that. So I think from a Zoom perspective, my number one thing that I always ask people is like, please turn on your cameras. And I tell people, I'm not, I don't care if you're driving. I don't care where you are. Like, I don't care what your hair looks like. That's not why I'm asking. And it's not even for some accountability to make sure you're paying attention. I don't know. That's not the concern. It's that I can't communicate with you as another human being when 55% of you is missing. Um, And I want this to be an engaging experience for you too. So, you know, meet me here, but that's my biggest thing is that's the biggest difference really between zoom and, and in person is just, are you willing to engage and are you willing to allow yourself to be seen enough to be engaged on a uh, camera? Um, yeah, absolutely. And when you, you know, when you're not on camera, like I, I do this all the time, I'm guilty of not having my camera on and then multitasking when I'm supposed to be fully engaged in a meeting, right? I'm responding to an email. I'm finishing a thought on a blog, whatever it is, right? And of course, you know, we know that we actually can't multitask. And so I'm trying to like, listen and be present, but also, gee, I really should have sent this email 20 minutes ago and now I'll just do it, you know? And so that's a, there, there is a lack of accountability when you're not on camera. I think it also, and even though you can maybe kind of still sneak it in when you're on camera, but it just is the, yeah, that, that like little bit of mindfulness of, Hey, let's check in here and really, really dig in. So I'm like chief of sinners when it comes to that really <laughs> bad about that. Overcoming a problem, Tori is realizing <laughs> that you have, well, I do have a problem with that. So full disclosure, now the internet knows. <laughs> deeper the problem may be that you are okay with lying to yourself knowing that you can't multitask <laughs> but then still doing it is just telling yourself I'm I know okay with lying to myself <laughs> I know I know but like like let's be honest guys I can we hear all... your keyboard too so you're really not hiding anything <laughs> like mechanical keyboards <laughs> well kinda, like... I guess that's true no. that's true but I mean like we all do it right we all oh yeah we've all multitasked on meetings when we shouldn't and all overwhelmed yes yep yeah. yep and... everyone's busy the body language thing makes makes sense if you don't mind me kind of going off into a psychological rant for a second here. But uh, I think I've talked with you about this, Tori, as a babies before we have any way to verbalize language, the, how we learn to find out if what we're communicating is engaging because engaging means valuable. We point at something. So a baby mm-hmm. will point at something in the room and then look at the people in the room and see who reacted. No one reacts. They learned that this is not something worth communicating. It has no value. It does not engage. So they point at something else. And they will do that until they see what reacts. And then that baby will just point at those same things because it's engaging and getting reactions. And it just says a lot about how we communicate without language to me. So I always like to use that example, especially because it blew my mind when I learned that. I was like, that's so spot on. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I think, you know, we like looking at the pandemic and how kids weren't able to socialize and how we're seeing that impact them psychologically or right even just with wearing masks now i don't recognize facial expressions and so you know we've almost impeded kids by limiting that for them in those really really early you know toddler formative elementary years so i think that kind of connects to your 
the babies thing, right. but yeah, nonverbal uh, communication. Emily, can I ask you a little, I know I've shared that I'm neurodivergent and I have things that I work with. So some of the things that are taught to most people almost are counterproductive to me because I'm taught the other way. Do you mind discussing some about that for any listeners who may also have, I find more people actually have this than I yeah. thought, I guess. Um, but the note-taking thing is very often taught to not take notes. But the only way that I'm able to feel like I can actively listen and then ask a genuine question, like a curious question, is if I write it down. Because if you didn't say it 10 seconds ago, I don't know what you said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, you know, for each individual, it's important to understand two things. Like, one, what helps you pay attention the most, of course. And two, what prevents you from being able to pay attention or what distracts you the most and be cognizant of whatever those things are. So what Dan's talking about is, you know, in a previous training, we've discussed notes and active listening for some people, it's actually a deterrent from being able to listen because they're focused on what they're writing down in that moment or taking the note. And as soon as they're focused on writing, it goes back to the multitasking thing that we're not able to do. As soon as they're focused on writing a note to themselves, their brain sort of disengages from what the person across from them is saying. And so they're missing that piece and not actively listening. But for some of us, same, uh, who are ADHD specifically, or have high anxiety specifically, those are two big ones where short-term memory isn't great. Uh, it's really imperative that the note is written down, or at least a word is written down to stay on track and to keep those thoughts more linear as opposed to the ping pong effect. But I think having self-awareness is probably the, the biggest important part. Right? There are certainly staples of best practices when it comes to active listening, but all of our brains work somewhat differently. Uh, so taking an inventory, I think would be my biggest piece of advice on both what helps me stay engaged, what distracts me and what, what had just happened the last time I got distracted. Or I think that's the one that people actually don't realize the most. Like I know for me as an example, because I'm highly visual, my brain processes things visually sounds like a random, like if someone were typing when I was trying to talk or there was some dinging or a car alarm going off somewhere, my brain is going to be in panic mode of like, yeah. oh God, we're not here. We have to go to wherever that sound is. Interestingly, for people who are more auditory as opposed to visual, visual distractions are a big thing. So my husband is incredibly auditory as opposed to my visual processing. And so he he can't sit in, like in front of a window and work because anything that passes his peripheral is like, He's just totally distracted. I don't even see it. I didn't even realize it was there, but he won't hear the sound that I hear down the street. <laughs> so <laughs> it depends, but keeping that list and knowing what that is and incorporating that intentionally is the best bet. That's yeah. great advice, actually. And I learned a little of that, but I didn't even realize the auditory versus visual until you just mentioned that. But I have seen people like, ooh, shiny. And then this like, look away. <laughs> but I'm the same way. I have the TV off. I have no like, music sometimes if i'm not actually writing but if i'm writing or reading silent and people like hate it they're like why how do you sit in silence i'm like that's how i work like that's <laughs> um, why <laughs> but, uh, what i did even learn that you were just saying was very recently and i wish i would have learned it so much longer ago because it just would have helped out in life i think to be more present of these types of things so anybody who is maybe in their beginning stages or younger these things should hopefully 
helped them a lot more. I don't know when you learned them, if you've just always been a guru or. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, uh, yeah, one definitely. thing I'm practicing most is everything you just said. And now think about it in a stressful situation because it changes it oh, night and day. And I've like started to feel like I was getting it down. And then under stress, I feel like I'm back at level one. And like, I forget everything mm -hmm. I know because there's something stressful. Yeah, we revert to our natural state and stress. All of us do. I mean, you've reduced capacity for managing emotions, managing thought, managing when everything is going toward that fight or flight survival, uh, you don't have a lot left to work with. So is there a way yeah, to that's stop like, that? That's like some Navy SEAL stuff, uh, Dan. Uh, <laughs> all right. <a> different <laughs> you have to join the military, apparently, to you know, <laughs> yes, for that one. I don't know. Mind over matter. Mind. <laughs> Yeah. I think too that it, in those situations, right? Like if you know that you're a note taker and let's say like you're on a sales call and maybe sometimes note taking looks distracting, even on camera, like if you're writing down and not right looking at the camera. And I think it would be okay to just ask, Hey, would you mind if I took notes during this meeting? Is that going to be a distraction for you? It's helpful for me, you know, and to just some of those upfront things I think are valuable to lay out for people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can get away with anything if you ask for permission, right? You can. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. If I put my clown nose on for the rest of this conversation, it's yeah. really help me pay attention. People are like, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. It just became a comedy show, but <laughs> you know, you know, these days people are afraid to say no. They're like I'm going to wear this cat suit. Like, okay, do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if it makes you feel good, I guess. Are you safe <laughs> now? Do you feel my safe? Questions. I suppose so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So any, any just like closing thoughts, like if, and if you had to pick one takeaway from this conversation for our listeners, what would you, what would you say? Most important thing? Um, that's really, that's hard to boil. That's a hard question, Tori. Um, <laughs> sorry. Top three. Oh no, don't be sorry. It's <laughs> a good question. I think active listening from a sales perspective, it gets a bad rap. I feel like it makes it sound like I'm actively listening so that I can, somehow use something against you and get the outcome that I want and all of that. And it won't work if you do it that way. Cause jokes on you, you're not actually actively listening. You're going back to the leading the witness, trying to get them to go where you want them to go thing. But if you take it out of a sales context, um, the biggest place where I have seen, uh, the impact of active listening play out is with my kids and being a mom and, mm. I know it's probably the most cliche thing for me to bring up as a mother to talk about my kids, but I guess I'm just a walking cliche. That's fine. We grew up in the age of stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Right. And I think that made a lot of kids, at least this kid feel like our feelings didn't matter or that we were inherently wrong. So, you know, if you take it back to the fact that everyone is a child walking around zipped up in a big people meet suit, right? We still have inner children. We still have that piece of us that does need to hear that we are okay and we are accepted and we are heard and we are valued. That's the most important thing to me. It's not about getting what you want. It's not about closing the deal. It's about like what you said earlier, being a good human and making sure that people can communicate with you in a safe way 
place and they have the psychological safety to do so because you actually care and you're showing up with interest and you're showing up with curiosity and building that experience for them. And I think if we were all able to do that from, I mean, especially if we started with our kids, right. But if we were all able to do that for one another, we would be so much better equipped to deal with one another, but deal with life and and all of the things that are thrown at it. So yeah, I'd say that's the biggest takeaway is Use, use your powers for good, not evil. No, absolutely. That's a great insight. Well, Emily, thank you so, so much for joining us. This was really interesting topic and helpful professionally, personally, if you're a salesperson, hopefully in particular for those guys. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all for having me. It was fun. Thanks. See you soon. See you soon. See you later. Yeah. Adios. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us for this episode, everybody, whether you listen to us through Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you can listen to your audio podcast, or if you watch this on YouTube, we really appreciate it. We really had a great, or we thought this was a great discussion. I learned a lot. Uh, Tori, you want to kick us off with some of like the main takeaways that we got from this? Yeah. So I think for me, kind of two main ones, one being just the reminder that so much, in fact, the majority of your communication doesn't actually come from your mouth, but it comes from your whole body. And so being mindful, right? Even if you're just on the phone, when the other person can't actually see you being mindful of how you're posturing yourself, are you placing your body in an open position that helps you receive information well is super, super important, I think. And then when you are in those in-person interactions, how are you acknowledging and engaging with the other person through eye contact, through vocal acknowledgement of what they're saying, different things like that, super, super important. And then the other piece of this that to me is really important is that reflective listening or that mirroring piece of the conversation. So when someone says something to you, how do you paraphrase it back to them essentially in a way that helps them to clarify what they think and helps you to clarify what you think they're trying to say. Just It it just helps clean up communication a little bit and make sure that there's no misunderstanding, especially in those situations where clarity is, and that kind of detail is really, really important to making sure the sale goes through, the negotiation is successful, whatever that may be. So using that reflective listening as a tool, even in your personal interactions is also mm-hmm. super important. What about you, Dan? Yeah, no, Any takeaways? I agree. Yeah, I agree completely. The reflective listening, it, it reduces the need for assumptions, which you never want to make assumptions yeah. and you don't want people to make assumptions about what you're saying or your inf- information. So I think just doing that alone is a big enough reason to actively listen and mirror and reflect, but also in opinion-based conversations where perspective is very important, you want to gain the other person's perspective to really gain the information they're trying to get to you. And you also want to share your own perspective. So having a clear divide, I think is very important for the communication to be, you know, completed, I guess, maybe in the way it's intended, the information received. Um, And then there's also a couple other areas. I think uh, active listening can really play a big role in our lives. Uh, whether it's at work, in your personal life, in any area, you're going to use the four quadrants of emotional intelligence and you're going to, negotiating as a skill is extremely important for anything that we do, you know, whether we're we're negotiating a job or a bedtime with our children or um, (laughs) where we're going to have dinner with our friends or our loved ones, like negotiating 
is important and active listening is a really big part of negotiating because you need to have that emotional intelligence piece. You need to be self-aware, you need to have self-management, and then you can get to the social awareness and relationship management once you start to, you know, practice active listening in a a regular manner, I suppose. But those are probably my biggest takeaways. I learned a lot. Unfortunately, I don't active listen nearly as much as I should. And um, some of the stuff Emily said made me feel like I'm not sure I ever listened to anybody, but I, I know that can't be true. <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, as someone who works with you, Dan, I you do a better job than you than perhaps you think you do. <laughs> so, but so. we're all we're all just learning, trying to get better, and you know, it's all about building trust and relationship with other people. And and if you use active listening, it's going to help you do that better. And so we should all do it all mm-hmm. the time if we can. What? We should all do it all the time if we huh? can. You say something? Huh? 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 <laughs> all right. See you guys next time. Thanks for watching. Bye, y'all.